Hi, I'm Julie. And I'm Lisa. And together we are Two Sober Sober Chicks. Chicks. Thanks for joining us again on our podcast that we bring to you as an act of faith and service. Yes. Because this is our way of serving our community and giving back and hopefully helping out a still struggling or suffering alcoholic. Yeah. And if we lead you to the doors of recovery just by listening to this podcast, then there would be no greater joy in our life if we can lend a hand and help you out. Or just hang out with you in your car or on your walk. If you want to contact us, you can email us at the number two soberchicks at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram and Twitter, also at the number two soberchicks. And you never know what that might lead to. It might lead to you having Julie show up on your doorstep (laughs) one day, like publisher's sweepstakes Uh without the $5,000 check. Yes. Yeah. I will be in Tennessee uh, at the beginning of March, and I'm going to be hanging with some listeners and speaking at one of their groups. Say hi. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Kat. Apparently, Kat was the one who found our podcast first and shared it with her friend Amanda, and then Amanda's actually emailed us. And we've chit-chatted back and forth. Yep. You quite frequently. And mm-hmm. Julie's a traveler. She likes to uh, take a lot of road trips in her land vehicle, which is like a tank. It's amazing. It's like driving around in my living room. I, I absolutely love it. I love going on a road trip with Julie and being in her car because it's very spacious. Yes. Yeah. I have a nice time in there. I feel like a turtle. Like my home is on my back. Ooh. I prefer to drive places because everything I need is with me in my own vehicle and I'm safe versus renting cars and dragging luggage and because I love America and Americans and the land so much like for me driving all over the states is so fun yeah and I love traveling with you because a you drive so I like being chauffeured around and Mm -hmm. it is roomy and I hate flying I absolutely hate it I'm not a fan I I'm it's not a safety thing I just don't like being cramped in I don't like being that close to strangers I don't know Mm -hmm. and I always get sick after flying Mm. And so I'm just like, yeah, I'd rather drive if someone else is driving. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I don't want to drive. I have driven a lot for work and I drive around all the time for eight, nine, ten hours and Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. So when you volunteer, I'm all in. Yeah. So I'm going to be in Tennessee. I'm also going to be in Texas. Mm. And this is in March. And then in May, I'm going to be in Tennessee and Texas and New Mexico. What? In the middle of the New Mexico desert oh. at a Benedictine monastery. Very nice. Very which I'm quiet. so excited about. I'll be there for five days. And then my, I'm going to chart. Well, they are silent, but because the Benedictines are so welcoming and hospitable, um, there are certain times that you can talk to them. Mm-hmm. Like obviously when they're on their way to chapel or they're involved in a task, you will not but in the beginning and um, when you're in the hallways and stuff, I think you can. But then I'm going to chart my way up maybe through um, Indiana. I might be doing um, Chicago, Illinois. I might be in Detroit, Michigan. I haven't charted the rest of my trip up. You know what might be fun? I don't know if this is a safety concern or not, but you could post when you're going to be somewhere on Instagram and get people to message you. DM you if they mm-hmm. want and tell you where their home group is and then you'd have home groups to attend as well. <gasps> that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Always. You know what? And we've had listeners reach out and say like Jamie, if you're ever in Arizona, let me know. Right. We love that because that's exactly where I'm going to go. Now, obviously, I'm going to know the difference between someone that's creeping our Instagram and is like, yeah, yeah here it is. But, you right. know, t- I would love to meet someone at their home group. Yes. I love different meetings. 
It's like people have asked me that before. There was a time when one of my service acts was um, being a first point of contact for women getting out of prison mm-hmm. or even men getting out of prison and mm-hmm. who wanted to go to a meeting. Um, and they were like, well, aren't you afraid? I'm like, well, I don't meet them at my house. I don't meet them uh, at a coffee shop. I actually say, I will meet you at the meeting at the front door. Mm-hmm. And there's always people at the front door. So mm-hmm. we come in and we attend the meeting together and then we chat a little bit afterwards there. And it's not like a Craigslist ad. This is yeah. all going through head office AA. Yes. So. so. Safety. All right. I also carry a travel knife, so. <laughs> it's fucking huge. Wait, what, what did the our friend who's a police officer said? It's for seatbelts. It's belts. a rescue knife. It's a rescue knife. It's not a weapon. Mm-hmm. It's a rescue knife. It's, it's the sole purpose is to cut off seatbelts. My seatbelt, if, okay, I'm a hypochondriac in case anyone doesn't know this already. In case I, for some reason, drive off the road and into a lake. I need to know how to cut off my seatbelt so mm-hmm. I can get out of my vehicle. Yeah. Right. That's the only reason it's in your car. Only reason. Okay. We've covered that safety issue now. And on to the movie that you okay. watched with Joaquin so, Phoenix. The movie is Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. I was told it was a movie about someone that enters recovery. So mm. I watched it. And in short order, I was not crying. I was sobbing like, like sobbing and marco poloing her and marco poloing my three sisters like and lisa was actually worried like i remember your response was like are you okay yeah i don't think i've seen you this upset before no i was ready to come over so what happened was and it's funny that we did this fuck you and the triggers you wrote in on podcast because that's the word i use is triggered (laughs) however i want to say there's a difference between being triggered as an experience and the downward spiral of or the excuse of i'm triggered Mm -hmm. triggered in this sense what i mean is i was brought back to the end of my drinking and how bad it was so watching someone else on the screen and how bad it was for them and the consequences they suffered I was just like broken for an afternoon and the person that told me to watch it felt really bad he's not in recovery he felt really responsible and I'm like you don't have to feel like that it was a healthy display of emotion of grief of sadness and it's okay because I move through that stuff now. I don't get caught in it. And I think that's also the difference between, you know, being triggered and using triggered in your victimhood and acting it, mm. using it as an excuse and blaming other people. Oh, you did this. You you triggered me. So I can't cope. I can't deal. Right. We, uh, one of our listeners wrote us about, um, she was a survivor of a school shooting. Mm-hmm. And so when she heard a loud no, or she saw someone down the hallway with a scope or something, they were actually doing GPS measurements or something, but it triggered her. And oh. so she had a, so here's the difference. She didn't freak out on this guy and make him feel responsible for her. Remember when her, um, PTSD type response, Yeah, she dealt with it in an adult and mature way, in a coping way, in a healthy way. And she talked to him about that experience. So the next time he was doing something like that, he would knock on her door and say, I'm going to be out here. Is this okay? So that's, that's the difference. And that's why we didn't like the word triggered. Cause we hear a lot of new people come in and I'm triggered. I can't hear, I can't deal with this. Yes. Well, you're going to have to learn how to deal if you want to be part of the world. That's how I uh, think about it. And so she's done that. She's well, yes. not a victim. 
And there is a huge difference between someone who suffers from PTSD and someone that uses triggered to be coddled in their victimhood. Like PTSD is a very real thing. I remember at the treatment center I went to, um, and the thing with PTSD is you don't know what someone's triggers are. Like whenever there's a 4th of July in the States or a Victoria Day here where there's firecrackers, my first thought is uh, military folks, the sound of firecrackers and how that must be upsetting to them. Yeah. Um, when I was, uh, I was volunteering in the treatment center that I still volunteer at and there was a gentleman who was ex-military and he saw these vats of ketchup come in. And for him, it looked exactly like um, not explosives from when he was over in um, Iran or mm. Iraq, sorry. Mm. And that that's a very real trigger. At the same time, though, I've never talked to someone with PTSD who uses that language in the same way someone, a victim, would use it. Right. So it's kind of in the way we're talking about it. It's like, here's my trigger and this is what it is. So when we talk about fuck you and the triggers you wrote in on, we're not talking about PTSD sufferers. Right. We're talking about people who want to be victims yeah so that's where a little bit of my insensitivity might come from (laughs) (laughs) if you're a victim i'm a little bit insensitive to that because i also used to play the victim so that's where that comes don't get well they don't sick mind can't heal a sick mind no ah so remember when let's talk about the movie is the best um portrayal to me of what 12 the 12 steps are what amends look like like at the end of the movie there's an amend scene that's really cool there's a woman in this little AA group that meets in this guy's house Jonah Hill by the way deserves an Oscar for his portrayal in this movie Mm. where she calls him like he's talking basically about poor me you drink too if you had my life and she like laughs at him and calls him out and he gets mad at her and throws it back and then she talks about experience she's gone through in her life so it was a really good real portrayal not just of like most movies the AA groups you see is like there's the 12 steps on the wall and 12 chairs around in a circle yeah like this was a really good portrayal of the 12 steps and a really good movie but if you're at a point in your recovery where you might not necessarily be able to see the the low bottom this guy has Mm -hmm. you might want to wait a little bit Mm -hmm. because it at almost 10 years in the program it hit me like a knife in the chest wow but that's just me we had one of our sisters watch it and go whatever i haven't watched it yet because it's not on netflix so you guys have something else i don't have prime i don't have that so um i haven't seen it yet so yeah it will probably come out on eventually if not i'll give you my account and you can watch it illegally or i can come over and watch it legally. Or you can come over. Yes. I'm such an introvert. Like, I never invite people over. Like, when a sponsee wants to come over for a fifth, I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> I remember when you it's were struggling nest. and I offered to bring a couple of girls over to your place and we could have a meeting at your place. And we your did. Your best friend texted me right away and said, I don't know if she's going to go for that. <laughs> she doesn't like people in her home. And I'm like, it's me. <laughs> And it turned out to be an amazing meeting where actually I believe the focus and the intent was not me. It was someone else in the room. Which is what helped you, I think. Yeah. Because it's service. You know, even though you couldn't get out of your house, here we are bringing a meeting to you and somebody else had had a relapse Uh and was struggling. And so then the focus became about them. And they're now doing great. Yeah. A couple years, maybe three sober. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. 
So did you talk about what it was exactly that, what was the remember when? It was just being brought back to how bad it was for me at the end. Yeah. Like I'm so used to living in contented sobriety that it's, that's so far away from me that when I connect with the me that was at that exact place, it shakes me because it was bad. It's like I heard someone in a meeting once say, one of my sponsees say, the longer I'm sober, the more fucked up I realize I was, or the longer I'm sober, the more I realize how much of an alcoholic I am. So I need to be reminded of that. I just recently went back and to my old high school town and I visited (gasps) an old friend, uh, one of my best friends from high school. Hey, Kira. She probably never listens, but I'll say hi anyway. We were joking about that earlier. Like we were so worried in our podcast at the very beginning that family would listen. Neither of our families give a flying fuck about this podcast. I could literally stomp all over family members and they'd never know. Yep. My wife, I asked her the other day, I'm like, have you ever listened to our podcast? She's like, no, <laughs> no apologies. No, not interest. I hear you all the time. I'm like, okay. You know when she yeah. has listened? When she's been in the other room and we've been here recording. Yes. And she's heard a little bit of it, but she hasn't actually even downloaded an app to listen to a podcast. So I'm like, whatever, you're free game it's now. all good. <laughs> yep. That's right. So I went to visit my old high school friend and bless her heart. She is a pack rat. I teased her and said, you're a fucking hoarder. You have things from my life that I don't even have. (laughs) She has my first radio business card from my my first radio job. She has an article that I wrote when I had, um, you know, my, my last relationship, I, I was blessed with a child. And so this article is about being a lesbian and I can be a mother. Um, and, uh, my my whole relationship and the things I said to my kid was so beautiful. I'd forgotten all about this article and she had it and shared it with me. She also brought out um, the high school <laughs> video footage she took of our prom. Mm. Um, yes, which was not my best moment. Um, and I was like, wow. And I actually was fighting back tears because I couldn't believe it. Like, wow, I was really, really sick at a young age. Mm. And I kept going for years. And we see a lot of young people come into this program at 20, 21. Sometimes they say, Sometimes they go back out and the ones that go back out, they usually come back in their thirties or their forties mm. and say, you know, I wished I had stayed. I had this moment of grace. And then I was like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> they went back out and eventually it's a progressive disease. They do come back. Um, and I never, I never came in, but it was very clear through my behavior that night on that one video. I was an alcoholic back then. Mm. I was the last one going. The videos go, goes on until six or seven o'clock in the morning and I'm, someone's videotaping me. I'm running around and I'm hammered and I'm still going. I'm still drinking. Mm-hmm. Everyone else has passed out and I'm still drinking. And I think that party went on for two or three days. Oh my God. And I was a mess. I, I don't know if I could mess. watch myself like that. Yeah. It was a, it was a stark reminder of how heavily I was drinking at a young age. And you so. felt sad? I felt sad. I felt sad that um, I wished, in a way, I wished I'd recognized it earlier and then I could have come in earlier and had the wonderful life I have now. Mm. But everything happens for a reason and the way it happens. And I was meant to be with the people I was meant to be with for a short time. And I think I'm meant to be here now where I am today. So, you know, I accept that now. But there are moments where it's like, I'm fucking human. I'm like, oh, I wonder what would have happened if I'd come in earlier Mm. or where I'd be or who I'd be with, what my life would be like. Mm -hmm. Right? So... But yeah, it was difficult to watch because uh, I've watched it before, but when I watched it in the past, I wasn't sober. 
Ah. So it was funny. Ah. It was like, oh, yeah, look at me playing the fool and, you know, entertaining everyone. But today, when I watched it, I'm a sober person looking back and I, I see the broken person inside. That's... I, I see the broken person behind the facade of party girl fun times. That's how I feel now when I see specifically women getting messy or drunken in bars and places. Like, I don't think it's funny. Um, my heart breaks because I'm like, poor thing. Mm-hmm. I don't like it when I go out and I see, even like at um, one of my best friend's husband is a performer in a band and we all went mm-hmm. to see him. And when I see men swaying, you know, that sway when you've had so much to drink, yep. like I, my heart just breaks because nobody in their right mind wants to do that. No, nobody wants to, wants to that be way. that wasted. Yeah. That out of control. Yeah making stupid decisions i know it's sad oh wow we gotta end on a high note any jokes or anything (laughs) Mm. no i guess not no well sometimes that's just how life is it is it's messy treasure you remember wins that's why we identify in meetings i like i'm an alcoholic i'm an alcoholic i'm an alcoholic because if we forget that our disease is so tricky it's like yeah it wasn't that bad yeah that's why we kept drinking or i was able to say just one this is not that bad. It's one of the so reasons why we're in contact those. with our dear friend Sharon while she's away on vacation. Mm-hmm. She's away for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I know one of my slip ups was when I was on a plane and I was away because I had that thought. Mm-hmm. Who's going to know? Mm-hmm. I'm fucking in the middle of like the ocean and nobody around here knows me. No one's going to know. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. And I drank. And the worst thing to happen to an alcoholic when they drink is nothing. Yes. I didn't get caught. No you know, one saw. No one saw. No one I talked can about it. I keep this a secret. I kept it a secret for another Nothing six bad months. happened. Yep, six or nine months. And then I relapsed fully. Like I'd already relapsed, mm-hmm. but nobody knew it. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, ah, fuck this. I can drink. Look at what I did on the plane. Nobody knew. Wasn't that bad. I went home, went to bed. The ex didn't smell the alcohol on me because she was already passed out. Bitch didn't even pick me up from the airport. <laughs> that was how that resentment started. I'll show, uh, I'll fucking drink. I'll show you. We're so stupid. I love it. Oh, resentments can kill us. Uh-huh. All right. Well, thanks a lot for listening to Two Sober Chicks. Uh, as we've said before, we're not therapists, clearly. We're uh, doctors yeah, of any kind. Not professionals in the recovery industry. We are just two sober chicks who want to share our experience, strength, and hope with you in the hope that it might help you Mm -hmm. or at least entertain you thanks for listening talk to you next time bye